Good morning, church. Uh, today's scripture readings are taken from Daniel chapter 7, 9 to 14, and John chapter 5, verses 19 to 47. Uh, we will first read from Daniel, which can be found on page 726 of the church Bibles. Daniel chapter 7, verses 19 to 14. Um, before we read, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, all Scripture testifies about your Son, our Lord, Saviour, and life. So as we gather around your Word this morning, help us by your Spirit to see his glory and identity, responding rightly that we may honour you. Please help Dave to faithfully divide your Word as he preaches from it. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Um, Daniel chapter 7. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming from before him, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will, never, that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Um, the second reading will be taken from the Gospel of John, chapter, nine, uh, chapter 5, verses 19 to 47, uh, which is on page eight, 864. Um, reading from John, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can, on, he can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Father does not honor whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son who has also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. 
Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in the great in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony is true. You have sent John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works of that the Father has given me to finish, the works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify me, testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from another, but do not seek the glory that comes only from God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? This is the word of the Lord. Uh, well, gravity is amazing, isn't it? When I jump, I land. When I drop a book, it will land on the ground. When I throw a child in the air, they come back down into my hands. Gravity is amazing. We don't just float all over the place. Although that would be pretty cool to experience one day, don't you reckon? I'd love that. But anyway, gravity uh, is amazing. But when it comes to explaining gravity, I have absolutely no idea how it works. Sure, there's some gravity force pull thing or something, but look, I've got no idea why or how it works. Uh, And so I tried to look it up, and for those, look, that's the equation there, and that means absolutely nothing to me. I tried, I looked, but I got nothing. But even though I don't get gravity, I know it's there, it works, it's true, and I'm thankful for it, even if I don't fully understand how it works. Do you mind turning that one off now, uh, Isaac? Thanks. Just B, just press the B button, thanks. Uh, And I wonder if you feel the same uh, about the Trinity. You know, that God is one in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but yet three, but one God. 
and it might seem confusing and difficult to explain it and impossible to illustrate, otherwise you go into heresy. But what we do know is that it's true. Well, because the Bible teaches it that it's true, Jesus tells us it is true. And although it might be hard for us to grasp at times, see, the issue isn't with the Trinity, that is truth. It's what the Scriptures teach. It's just with us in understanding it. But what Jesus does for us this morning, I think, is actually help us. He helps us, gives us a bit of insight into how the relationship between God the Father and God the Son works. Do I need to lift that up more? Is that better? Can you hear? Is that better? Yeah? Okay, excellent. Uh, thanks, John. Uh, what we're going to see this morning is the, the relationship of how the Trinity works, and particularly how the Father and the Son and how they relate together. And in the coming uh, chapters of, of John's Gospel, we'll actually see uh, how the, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, plays a part today. Well, last week we saw the incredible, didn't we? At the healing at the pool party. There was a man paralysed for 38 years and he is miraculously healed. By the power of Jesus' word, pick up your mat, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly, without surgery or grueling physio, this dude, he gets up and he walks. And this is the third sign that we have seen in the book of John. Uh, <clears throat> that are, and the point of the signs, remember, it's a point. At a point to the identity of who Jesus is. And they have clearly showed us that he is the divine, eternal creator. That he is the son of God, the God who became flesh to dwell among us. He is the promised son of God. But you see, as Jesus uh, does his thing, controversy and uh, opposition arise for him. And while the Jewish leaders initially persecute Jesus for, for healing on the Sabbath, when Jesus makes his defense, well, things get a lot worse. Uh, if, you if you look just up a bit at verse 17 from last week, uh, it says this, My father is always at work to this day. That is, he's referring to the Sabbath, that the father, he works on the Sabbath. But what does Jesus say? And I too am working. You see, the Jewish leaders, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying here. They understood that Jesus was saying and claiming to be God. Just as my Father works, I too work, says Jesus. And you see, their beef with Jesus, their issue with Jesus at this point, uh, is that Jesus is making himself equal with God. And the Jews, they are outraged and want to kill him. They are so angry, they want to seek his death. And, and what Berwyn read for us just then is, is the conversation that kind of continues flowing on uh, from that event where, where Jesus explains that he is the Son of God and he explains how the relationship between God the Father and God the Son works. And the first thing he shows us is that the Son is just like the Father, like Father, like Son. Now, something that doesn't happen as much uh, these days is that children follow their parents in their work or in their profession. And in fact, these days, children want to buck them, don't want to do anything their parents do. But you see, earlier days, in earlier days, if someone was a servant, well, their children became servants. And if, if someone was a baker, well, their children became bakers. And if you were the king, well, your son became king. 
And so, just like the norm back then, Jesus was a carpenter like his earthly father, Joseph. And you see, Jesus explains here that he is just like his heavenly father also. Jesus, the Son of God, is just like his father in heaven, like father, like son. And the first thing we'll notice about the father and the son here is that the son, he always does the father's work. Have a look there from verse uh, 19. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. The first thing we'll see here is that the son doesn't operate independently of the father. Did you see that in verse 19? The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. You see, the son is not independent of the father. The son, he operates in full submission to the father. And so what the father wants, the son wants and desires and does. And you see, this makes sense in a, in a perfect relationship between the father and the son. You see, the son doesn't try to put himself above the father like he's the boss uh, like he and make himself to be another god or something. No, 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 that's not what happens. You see, Jesus, he acts perfectly in line with his father's will and actions. Because if Jesus tried to put himself above, well, that would be to deny his very sonship. You see, he acts in the perfect role, in the perfect way, not... Uh, denying his sonship but actually living in submission to the father but you see his perfect obedience and dependence on the father that doesn't leave him in the dark because the father reveals everything to the son did you notice that the father is constantly disclosing all that he is doing to the son Uh, And it's his father's love. You see, it's the father's love that compels him to show the son everything that is happening. And so the son does only what the father wills and always does what the father's will. And the father in love shows the son everything he does. And the son in love, well, he uh, loves the father and he's fully obedient to him. The son always does the father's work. But what is the work of the son? Well, like father, like son. The son can give life to whoever he wants. You see, Jesus can raise the dead. Have a look there from verse uh, 21. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. You see, Jewish understanding of that time, well, in fact, Old Testament understanding of that time was that only God can raise the dead. Someone dies, only God can raise that person to life. And, and not like just an instrument where God might use someone to raise someone uh, to, to life. God is using someone else to do that. What is very different about that situation and the son is that the son, did you notice that? The son can give life to who he's pleased to give it. The son can give life to whoever he wants. And when we saw the remarkable uh, in the paralysed man, paralysed for 38 years, a man as good as dead, as he gives him life, as he gets up and walks, we see Jesus giving life to the dead in chapter 11. 
where Lazarus, dead for four days in the tomb, is raised to life. You see, the son can give life to whoever he wants. And so it's true that only God can raise the dead, but you see, Jesus in his actions, uh, in what he has done and what he demonstrates, uh, is that he too can give life. And so it shows that Jesus is God, that he is the Son of God. He is just like his Father in giving life to whoever he wants. Well, the Son, he's always doing the Father's work and he can give life to whoever he wants. But the second thing he does uh, is that he exercises judgment over all people. Have a look there from verse 22. The Father judges no one, but is entrusted all judgment to the Son. And again, verse 27, have a look down there. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. And while the Father and the Son both enjoy the privilege of of giving life, the Father has determined that he won't be the judge, but that the Son will be the judge. He has entrusted all judgment to the Son. I wonder if you've heard people say this kind of thing, oh, God the Father, he's the angry one. He's just full of wrath and anger. He's such a judge. He's the judging one, definitely. But not Jesus. He's so loving. He's so kind. He's such a cute little teddy bear. He's the one that died to, to give his life for us. Oh, so oh yeah, there's such a difference between God the Father and God the Son. What folly that is. What absolute folly that is that this passage here shows us. You see, God the Son... Jesus is the one who will exercise judgment over all people. And so to break up God like that, to say, oh, Jesus is a cuddly bear and God's the angry one, well, that's just folly. That is not the way the Bible describes things for us. You see, Jesus has been given authority to judge. And he does that because he is the son of man. Uh, Berwin read that uh, passage uh, from, from Daniel for us earlier. That is the, the famous Son of Man passage uh, from, from the Bible. Uh, and, it's, and it's helpful because it shows us that there is a time coming when God will appoint a Son of Man and give him all authority and dominion and power. And he's speaking about a God-man. The Word who became flesh, Jesus, the Son of Man. The one with all authority and dominion and power who will judge the living and the dead. You see, the Son will exercise judgment over all people because that is the role that the Father has given him to exercise. And another thing that that Daniel passage uh, does for us, a passage that I've used multiple times to to make this point, actually our passage in John actually does for the same. And that is that all people will rise. Yes, we will all die. That is the one thing that is the same for me and you. doesn't matter how rich or poor we might be, how successful or unsuccessful we are. The one thing that is true of you and of me is that we will all die. But you see, what this passage shows us is that death is not the end. Because a day has been set when Jesus will return. 
And on that day, at the sound of Jesus' voice, all will rise to life. Have a look there from verse 28. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to life, and those who have done what is evil will rise to condemnation. All will rise to life, or as other translations, I think hopefully, will be resurrected to life. Everyone, those who are already dead in their graves, they will be raised to life at the sound of the Son's voice. And while those who have done good, this isn't good as in a works kind of manner, I've done enough to, to earn my way into heaven, that's, that's not what it's talking about. This is those who have, have come to the light, to those who have entrusted themselves to, to Jesus, well, they will be resurrected to life. But to those who have done evil, who have loved the darkness and have, have rejected the Son, the Son that the Father has sent, well, they will be condemned. Jesus is the great judge, as appointed by God the Father. And we will all face him. Are you ready? Are you ready to face your maker and your judge? It's not based on how well you did at school or how nice you think you are or how nice other people may think you might be. It is based on God's standards. And let me tell you, we all fall short. It will not be based on what we do, but on God's standards. But you see, God in his kindness and goodness, he has provided us a way that if we know and trust the Son, that he is the one alone who can save, then we can be saved. Let me ask you, do you know the Son. The Son will exercise judgment over everyone. And he does that so that all people will honour the Son. Everyone must honour the Son like they honour the Father. Have a look there from verse 23. That all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. The Son is at one with the Father. He's at one with the Father, not just in activity, but in honour. The Son is to be honoured like the Father. Jesus is more than just a representative or ambassador of God. You can put that uh, picture up again now, Isaac. An ambassador is sent by a king who speaks on behalf of a king. So Jeff there, he's the ambassador and he represents Frank, uh, the king. And while Jeff comes with a message from Frank, the king, uh, Jeff isn't given the same honour or authority as, as Frank, uh, the king would. But this is where Jesus as an ambassador kind of idea really breaks down and, and fails. Because the son who is sent by the father, he is, he is to receive the same honour as the father. Do you want to put that picture down now? Uh, thanks, Isaac. And while the Jews were right to defend God's honour, 
when, they, when, when someone claimed to be God, they were right to defend God's honour in the way that they did, what they failed to do was to see that all that Jesus had done and all the things he had said really demonstrated and showed that he was who he claimed to be and that Jesus did deserve the honour as being God. But you see, Jesus actually takes it one step further. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. If someone claims to honour God, the Father in heaven, but doesn't honour Jesus, then they are not honouring God the Father. You see, they reject God the Father because the Father has sent the Son. He has sent the Son to, to reveal himself to the world. The Word became flesh so that we could see the Son and that we could see the Father. And so to reject the Son is to reject the Father who sent him to reveal him to us. And while the Jews thought they were honouring God by rejecting Jesus, their actions uh, really showed that they were rejecting God's word and his gracious self-expression of his own son. You see, the Jewish leaders, they were deluded because they dishonoured Jesus and in so doing dishonoured the Father. John's Gospel is full of these wonderful, pithy little sayings that are worth memorising and committing to your memory. Uh, And we get another one here in verse 24. Have a look there where it says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Salvation, eternal life, It doesn't depend on how well we behave. It is dependent on how well we have honoured the Son. How well we have honoured the Lord Jesus. And how do we honour the Lord Jesus? Well, we see it here in this verse, don't we? It is to listen to his word and to believe the one who sent him. To honour the Son is to honour the Father, like Father, like Son. And to trust that what the Jesus says is, is true. And you see, when we do, when we trust his word, we are given life, eternal life. And we won't be judged and have gone from death to life, from the darkness into his wonderful light and, and the assurance of salvation. This is wonderful news when we believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Have you listened to what Jesus says and accepted this as truth? Or do we not deny what Jesus says like the Jewish leaders? Let me ask, why should we believe? Why should we believe that what Jesus says is true? How can we know? How can we trust that Jesus claims to be the Son of God is right? And the answer is that it doesn't rely on his testimony alone. There are others, testimonies, there are others who make the point. And Jesus makes his point in verse 31. Have a look there, where he says, 
if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. Jesus says that if the burden of proof is all on me, if my claim about who I am is completely dependent on me and my words, then my witness could be false. If it was based on Jesus' word alone, it could be proven false. But see, that is not the case. This is what marks Christianity is very, very different from other religions. <clears throat> Where Joseph Smith in Mormonism or Muhammad in Islam, who alone received a private interaction them with God, they received this private interaction with God, and whose interaction with God can't be challenged. But see, that is not the case with Christianity. You see, the Bible has various authors, many different people who have written over a period of time, not just one guy, but multiple people. And it stood up to intense examination and and scrutiny over time, like we saw last week. And so that's the point that Jesus makes here. He says, yep, I'm telling you these things, but it's not just based on my word alone. You see, there are other claims that back what I am saying. It's kind of like those emails you get. You know those emails you get from the Nigerian prince who's in a spot of bother and he needs to borrow some cash. And so if you, if you will lend him a bit of money, he will, he, he will give you back heaps. Now we know that's a scam, right? You know that's a scam. But if you had really close friends, peers, people you've known for years and years and you trust them and they said, oh, no, no, I helped that guy. I helped him out. And he gave me all this money. It was amazing. You would still be really sceptical, I know. I could see it in your faces. But your friends would be kind of validating the claim of this email. It's not just this one person's email to you, the prince. Actually, you've got all these friends testifying that actually there's, there's some truth uh, to this claim. It's a scam. Don't believe it. But you, you kind of get the point that I'm making. That's the point Jesus makes here. I don't stand alone in what I'm telling you. Others have testified to this truth as well. And Jesus provides three um, uh, other people as sources. And the first we see there is John the Baptist. Have a look there from verse 33. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light. And you chose for a time to enjoy his light. You see, John the Baptist, he was sent to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus. And when John the Baptist did his thing, the crowds flocked to him because people were excited. They they were excited. Oh, is is this the Messiah? Is is he coming? It raised all this excitement that the Messiah was going to come. Remember, John the Baptist was huge. He was like bigger than J.J. Lynn or the Beatles. He was massive. So crowds flocked to him. And you see, the Jewish leaders, they, they sent people to him to investigate that, that what he was saying uh, to find out who this guy was. And, uh, and Jesus, uh, Jesus, John was clear in his testimony. He was clear. He testified to the truth. He, he made it clear. He is not the Messiah. But that Jesus was the spirit-anointed son of God, that he was the promised Messiah, that Jesus was the lamb of the world who would take away 
the, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And even though we see that they enjoy John's light for a little bit, and even though John testified to the truth, they ultimately reject John because they reject the message he spoke about the truth about Jesus. First there is John. Next up we see the very works that Jesus has been doing, well, they, the, the signs, they testify to who he is. Have a look there from verse 35. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. You see, Jesus gave life to a paralysed man, unable to walk for 38 years. And this was the third sign that Jesus had done, water into wine, healing a boy from a distance. And, and there were many other signs that just haven't been recorded for us, and we'll see more as we go. But see, the point of each of these signs, like the street sign out the front here, the street sign isn't Bowen Street. Bowen Street's the street. The sign is just a sign. It's just a piece of metal. The important bit isn't the sign. And it's the same, it's the street. And it's the same with Jesus in the works that he's been doing in, those, in the miracles, the signs he's been doing. The, the miracles aren't important of themselves. The important thing is what they point to. And each of them point to who he is. That he is the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one to come. And that believing in his name, there is salvation. You see, the very works and signs, they, they witness, they testify, they demonstrate that Jesus is the Son of God sent by the Father. But you see, the Jewish leaders, they fail. They have failed. They have refused to let such a powerful witness uh, affect them. And so they are without excuse, for this is a powerful witness. There has been John the Baptist, there has been the signs that Jesus performed, and the third thing is the, the Old Testament scriptures themselves. Have a look there from verse 39. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You see, the Jewish leaders, they were the Bible guys. They knew their Bibles really, really well. If you, there was a Bible quiz, you wanted them on your team. Definitely, they knew them well. They studied them diligently. They poured over them with a fine-tooth comb, with intense detail. But you see, their error was that they thought that if they studied them really hard, they read them heaps, they did all this stuff, that that, the study in itself, would save them. That their study, that they're reading the Torah or their scriptures would, would give them life. But you see, they didn't see the forest from the trees. You see, they had missed what the scriptures were pointing to, what they communicated, because they had testified about Jesus. And a, a passage that I, I mentioned last week is from Isaiah 35, a passage that, that points to what it will be like when, when the Messiah comes. What will it be like? Well, the blind will see. The, the deaf will be given hearing. 
I thought I was thinking of another word. The deaf will hear and the paralysed will walk and that is just what we've seen. And yet they refuse to link these great truths of the scriptures that they know so well with the reality of what's happened before them. That is just one passage. There's multiple, multiple passages which they knew so well. You see, these testimonies, they confirm the identity of Jesus. They confirm that what Jesus says about himself is valid and true. And the point that Jesus is making here for the, uh, for the Jewish leaders at the time, that same point is valid for us today, here and now. It is the same point then as it is now. And that is the only way to have life, to receive eternal life, is to come to Jesus. It is to take Jesus at his word and believe. I feel like I'm making the same point week in and and week out. Part of that's probably John's gospel. John's gospel writes this, that, that, that he wants this same point that we will see who Jesus is, that he is the Son of God, and that by believing his name, we will have life. Again, from verse 24, it's a great passage. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed from death into life. I hope that this is a great encouragement for you. For those who walk with the Lord Jesus, may this be an encouraging reminder for you. You have assurance of eternal life. You have been rescued, brought from death to life. There is no need to fear death or anything. And I do hope this great encouragement for you uh, will be an encouragement to you to to lift up from yourself and to look up to the world around you and to see those around us who, uh, whether family or or friends, who don't yet know the Son, who are currently without him and remain in the dark. Let me encourage you to remember back to those people who helped you see the truth in the Lord Jesus. I know many of you have had the privilege, such a privilege, to have always known the Lord Jesus, never had a day where you haven't known his love for you in the Lord Jesus. That is wonderful. That is such a wonderful privilege. Be thankful for your parents who loved you and cared for you and, and told you, taught you these truths as you grew up. But I know that's not all of us. There have been some of us who have learned this as adults or later on in life. Think back to those people who shared this wonderful truth with you. Now let me encourage you to do the same to others around you. Why don't we help others share this great, share this wonderful truth about Jesus with others too? We could invite them to read the, the Bible with us or, or invite them to Christianity Explored happening next term. It really is a, a great course that helps us meet Jesus, see who he is and, and why he came and what it means for us here today. And let's pray that God will use us to see our friends and our family and those around us come to know the Lord Jesus and that they would believe in him too. You see, Jesus is just like the Father, like Father, like Son. He has shown that in his actions he's performed, but also in the testimony of, of others to confirm to this truth as well.
And the driving force for us here is like the rest of John's gospel is to believe. To believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the son of God and that there is life in his name. Well, let's, let's pray. <clears throat> Father God Almighty, we are so thankful for the Lord Jesus. We are thankful for the things that he did, that when he came, the deaf were given hearing, that the blind could see, that the lame sprung to their feet, and that these things really confirm to the fact that Jesus is the promised uh, son, the son of God who was sent uh, to come and rescue us. Father, we give you great thanks for the way that you have saved each one of us that you have given us faith and trust in your son uh, and given us life. Father, for those of us who don't believe, please help us believe. Father, for those of us with with friends and and family who don't yet know Christ, uh, we do pray that you might use us to speak of Christ, that we might be able to show people our amazing Lord Jesus, that they can see Uh, his amazing works and words and be struck by him and and put their trust in him. We pray that you would save many, many people with this wonderful message, like you already have been doing, but we pray that you will continue to save many, many more. Father, please help us remember your goodness and your mercy to us in, in saving us, not because of what we have done, but because of your son. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.